0: Uh, the circumstances of why I'm preaching aren't so exciting. Uh, of course, we'll be keeping pastor in our prayers. And I thank him for thanking him and giving me this opportunity. Um, if you'd like to open your Bibles to the book of Jude, just so I can give you enough time to turn there, the book of Jude is the second, the last book of the Bible. You know, actually, when I wrote this message uh, about two months ago, I was actually sick. And I know that that's been a common theme going around this church right now. I was sick, and the Lord put it on my heart to write uh, this message, and I, I believe it deals with sickness. Um, you know, it's really hard to live your life and do your job when you're sick. Um, you're always running to go get a tissue if you've got a runny nose. You're hacking and coughing. No one wants to be around you. Um, sometimes you've got the aches. It's hard to move, the walk. I'm sure Pastor, he's uh, been going through all this um, And uh, we all know, I mean, we've all been through the years uh, 2020 and 2021 where, you know, you got COVID, your whole life got shut down for a couple of days or weeks. And uh, tonight, I want to talk about three sicknesses that can creep up into a church. The church has a very important job. We are literally to go out and tell people about Jesus Christ. I can't think of a higher calling. If we're not going and telling people about Jesus Christ, People's eternities are on the line. If we as a church are sick and are not able to do our job, then there are people that are going to have eternal consequences. Tonight, when I talk about these three sicknesses, it's imperative that we find a way not to catch them. They're easy to come up. They creep up in our lives. But we have to make sure that we choose to use God's word to fight them off. That's going to be our antidote. So if we are all open to Jude chapter 1, I'm going to pray and I'll get into the message. Thank you, Lord, for this day. Um, I thank you for letting us gather, Lord. Uh, The music service was amazing, just letting us exalt you and recognizing that you help us through our trials that, you know, we are going to face. We just pray that you'd be with our pastor, Lord, that you would heal him, that you bring him back safely, Lord. We just pray that you'd be with this message, that you give me, the strength and the wisdom to speak the words you have for me, Lord. And I pray that you be with the congregation as you help them to listen to what you have for them. And I pray that you just touch their hearts. In your name, amen. Well, the Bible says in Jude chapter 1, Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ, the brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called Mercy unto you, and peace and love be multiplied. Beloved, when I gave all diligence the right unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith, which was once delivered unto the saints. For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation ungodly men, turning the grace of our Lord God into lasciviousness and denying the, our only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. And if you jump all the way to verse 11, Woe unto them, for they have gone in the way of Cain and ran greedily after the error of Balaam for reward and perish in the gainsaying of Kor. Just so we know a little bit about the author, uh, this was written by Jude, who happened to be the half-brother of Jesus. Um, I think that would be kind of difficult, Uh, you always getting in trouble. You literally have someone in your family that is perfect. We always feel like if we're the one who gets in trouble as a sibling, we're always looking at that one and saying they're perfect. I guess in my family that would be Bella. She she doesn't get in trouble. She is uh, the perfect one. But Jude literally had someone in his family that was perfect, and he never got in trouble. And uh, that's that's a claim that I don't know if I I mean I would want to be the half brother of Jesus, but you know you you were the the bad one you know. But uh, Jude writes this book, and he tells them, hey, I would have wanted to write to you about salvation. I can't think of a better thing to talk about than our salvation we get from the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, it's a happy theme. Um, it's something that everyone needs to hear, and I believe it's something easier to talk about. But Jude brought a different message. He told us to earnestly contend for the faith. That's something we have to do today. That's something we have to continue to do. It's, we were talking about it uh, last Sunday night. It's waxing worse and worse. The world is getting more aggressive against churches. Um, I, I was talking to my father the other day. He was talking about Canadian pastors being jailed. I mean, that's in our continent. Um, There's a man, uh, I think he's a part of the Christian Law Association, Dr. Gibbs. Um, he, He came to our college when I was attending there, and he said that there's pastors in the States being jailed. You know, we don't think it's here, but it is. And Jude's talking to them back in this day, telling them to contend for the faith, we definitely should be doing it now. And he says and verse chapter 4 for there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation ungodly men turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only lord god and our lord jesus christ you kind of have to know what the word lasciviousness means to be able to understand the book of jude blake you're a bible scholar i'm sorry to put you on the spot do you know what the word means you know, I'm going to be honest, if you would have asked me before I studied this message, I would have given you probably a totally wrong answer, but I would have said it confidently. But uh, <laughs> the, word, the word lascivious means unbridled lust, or if you want to put in another term, without boundary. I look at American churches today, and there is a big swing of people moving the boundaries Brother Chuck, I know I I call on people, and I'm sorry if I call on you the night, but hey, if something was right 200 years ago, is it right today? Yeah, that was the boundary. If something was wrong, Blake, 200 years ago, is that wrong today? Oh, man, we we got 100% right now. Um, I see our culture, especially in our churches, wanting to move the boundaries. There are men coming into our churches trying to move our boundaries, move the doctrine. And eventually, this verse talks about how they start denying even the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, uh, it always starts with just a small change, something small. But once you move that fence post, it becomes easier and easier and easier to push it away back where you don't even recognize where you are anymore. And the Lord tells us That lasciviousness is creeping into our church. Now, in verse 11, it lists three specific ways that it's coming in. And we'll start first with the way of Cain. Now, this verse starts off with, woe unto them. Kind of saying it like that is a disservice. I don't know. How is that punctuated? With an exclamation mark. So that that means it needs to grab your attention. Woe unto them. I know that wasn't super loud, but uh, Jude wants you to see right there that these are things that we definitely need to watch out for. Woe unto them, for they have gone the way of Cain. <laughs> uh, I've Recently, I've been teaching a bit of children's church in the past church I've been in, and we were able to talk about the story of Cain. And I remember when I was, I was teaching on that story, um, I was trying to act like the brothers were super, really good friends, and then I spoiled it, Blake, by saying, and then he murdered him. <laughs> That's kind of how the Bible says they were walking and talking, and then Cain murders him. But we we know the story of Cain. Hopefully, I'll refresh your memories. Uh, Cain, the first son of Adam and Eve, um, then Abel, the second son. Cain was the shepherd, or no, not Cain. Cain was the farmer, and Abel was the shepherd. And God had set a standard, a boundary. He said, if you're going to come and worship me, it needs to be a blood sacrifice. Now, sometimes when my parents tell me something, or at least back in the day, whenever they told me something like take out the trash, I would always find a way to get some wiggle room there. Like maybe that means in two days. Maybe that doesn't mean immediately. Maybe that means like take half the trash out, which is even harder than just taking the trash out. But you know, always finding a way to get around it, and I, I, that must have been what was in Cain's mindset, because he chose not to bring a blood sacrifice. he chose to prepare a sacrifice of the field. And you know what? I'm going to tell you this, I love vegetables. It doesn't look like it. But <laughs> vegetables to me, bell peppers, they're colorful, or are they not? I believe color adds the taste. We were in a kitchen. we worked in a kitchen, The more colorful and the more garnish it looks good. And Cain brought all those of the field. I mean, I can only imagine a cornucopia, uh, some corn maybe, some bell peppers if they had that back then. Maybe not Brussels sprouts. But uh, he brought a sacrifice of the field. There's just one problem. That's not what God asked for. And as they're presenting it to the Lord, God chose the honor, Abel's sacrifice, a lamb unblemished. Now, Cain saw this, he saw his sacrifice, wasn't blessed, and this is the sickness that crept in. He became envious of his brother. When I think of envy, that is not a sin that, like, jumps out to me where I'm like, whoa, you better watch out of that. It's something that starts off small. Hey, in this story, you know how it ended? Someone got murdered. That's pretty big. Cain, he thought that he could worship God. He had the Burger King mindset, have it your way. When it didn't work out for him, he got envious. He became jealous of Abel. I looked I looked when I was writing this message, what am I envious of? What do I get jealous about? You know, for pastors it's easy to uh, compare ourselves to other ministries and get jealous of other churches. That's just something that I thought about myself. Maybe we're jealous about how other people's lives are going. Maybe God's put a trial in your life that not everyone has to deal with. Maybe he's put a situation that is there to grow us, but that's not what we're focusing on. Maybe we look at other people's lives and they're not dealing with something because we didn't do it God's way and we're having to deal with the consequences of that. But the moment we stop focusing on the reason why it's in our lives and we start looking at others and comparing ourselves, we become unwise. And that's where envy creeps in. The Bible says in James 3.16, For where envying and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. If we let envy creep into our church, it's going to make us sick. It's going to make it where we can't do what God has called us to do. We're supposed to continue. We're supposed to contend for the faith. If we're sick with envy, whether how small it is, once that creeps into our mind that we deserve that, that we should have that, we're sick. So how how should we replace that? Let's start with contentment. You know, when Abel was told the rules of how he was to worship God, he didn't try to think out of the box. He was content with what God had for him to do. He didn't find uh I don't I guess he only had sheep. I don't know the whole Bible story. I mean the the whole parameters, the Bible doesn't give it. But he was content to do it God's way. Uh Randy, he sang us a song. Uh not the whole song, but he was he was trying to uh prove a point. He sang uh, Frank Sinatra's My Way in Sunday school class. I mean, he quoted it. Yeah. He didn't sing it. He's not singing uh, ungodly songs in uh, in church. But uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, That wasn't the mindset of Abel. He was content to do it God's way. You know what? There's always a temptation to think that we're above God to do it our way but if we don't be content with God's word and what he has for us to do and how to deal with our trials, then we're going to become envious of other people. You know, when we're not content with what God has for us to do in our lives, that really puts a dampener in how we love people. 1 Corinthians 15 says that if we're not, verse 1 says, uh, if we don't do things with love, If we don't speak without love, our words are like a tinkling of brass, just a bunch of noise. How are we supposed to spread God's message of love if we're envious? It's impossible. You can't do it. We have to avoid the way of Cain. We have to avoid becoming envious or trying to put other people down and raise ourselves up. It's not going to work. On to the second sickness, and that is the error of Balaam. Uh, This story is recounted in Numbers 22. Uh, I think what Balaam had was special. People knew that he could talk to God. Isn't that cool? Um, We have access to the very throne of God. We can talk to him with what we need, and we know he's going to listen, and he's going to answer. And sometimes the answer is not always what we want. Sometimes it's a no. But this foreign king, Balak, knew there was someone who talked with God and uh, could get an answer. And Balak went to Balaam, and he said, I need you to curse the people of Israel. It's pretty sad when we have fellow believers attacking fellow believers. It happens too much in our, in our culture and in our churches. And... I don't believe Balaam wanted to do it until he figured out there was compensation. The error of Balaam was the love of money. Now, I'll tell you, when I was looking through these sicknesses, I was like, Lord, I don't see how these fit together. But that's how the Lord put them. And the second sickness we have to avoid is the love of money. Balaam came unto ba- uh, to Balaam, I know that's kind of confusing, and uh he said I'll compensate you if you can get God to curse Israel Balaam went to God he said can I curse Israel God told him no Balaam came again he said he sent uh, his even higher princes the Bible says and God told him no it's funny uh, Balaam began journeying on his donkey and this is one of my favorite stories in the Bible and God put an angel in the way and Balaam wanted to go meet Balak and as they're going, the donkey stops. Um, if my car just stopped immediately, i get scared because something's broken. But his donkey just stopped, and he gets off the donkey, and he whips it. He gets back on. The donkey still doesn't go, and he whips it again. He would not be Peter's friend. He was abusing that donkey. And as he's about, uh, it, it says actually the second time that it crushed his leg on the side. And that, and that might have been why he was so angry he was whipping it. But on that third time as he's whipping it, God loosens the tongue of the donkey, and the donkey's able to get his attention. If I heard an animal talk, I'd have to wonder what was in the water I was drinking. <laughs> um, and that would really get my attention. And the donkey's telling him, can't you see there's an angel right there? And then the angel makes himself known, and he says, your donkey's right. If you would have continued on, I would have killed you. Um, I don't know if Balaam ever gave thanks for not continuing on. But Balaam wanted that money so much he was, he was going to go through with it. And eventually he was able to give Balak a way to lead the children of Israel in a downfall. He, uh, he was able to pray against them and, and curse them. He just told Balak to let them go into idolatry. And that, that made the children of Israel suffer for hundreds of years. But Balaam had a problem with money. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says in 1 Timothy 6.10, For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. You know, I look at my life and I say, do I have a problem with money? It's not something that dwells on my mind 24-7. I got to get more and more and more. But when it becomes a major focus, when it becomes a focus really at all, there's a problem. You know, I can think of a man in the Bible who had all the money in the world, Solomon, and he wasn't, it didn't do anything for him. He said that it was vain, vanity. And churches, this is how I could apply it here. Do we let our jobs become the priority? Well, Jacob, you don't understand. Well, I don't. I'm going to be honest. You know, working in the ministry kind of puts blinders on you. But I do know what the Bible says. The Bible says in Hebrews 10.25 that we're the gather. And if we're supposed to gather and we let something else become a priority, then I'd say you have to love it. You have to love your priorities. Jobs can get in the way. That's, that's how you make your money. I know this, eto- this economy is tough. Um, trust me, I just dealt with it. Um, you need money to eat. You need money to drive. A lot of money now to drive. You need money for insurance. You need money to pay the heating bill. You need money to pay your taxes. I don't know what else you need money for. I guess I'm just privileged. Um... You need money to do things in this life. But when it becomes your focus, you have an unhealthy love of money. I'll tell you what money does. Money anchors you to this world. Our vision, our sight is supposed to be on God and on heaven and on higher things. But once we become anchored to this world, we lose effectiveness. We've become sick. Balaam became sick. I don't want this church to become sick sick because we've put that priority of money in our lives the sickness of money how about we use a different currency how about the currency of faith you know god promises to supply needs does he not the bible says in hebrews 11:6 but without faith it's impossible to please him for that he that cometh to god must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him if you want to come to god and to please god you have to have the currency of faith you know what you will never come to god with a stack of money and move him ever when if you when you die you might have a lot of money um i won't but <laughs> Um, I I believe the illustration is you can't bring that U-Haul of gold bricks with you. Um, If you want to have currency to make a difference in this world, money can help, but faith moves mountains. We need to keep our eyes on God. You know, this, this world is tough. We sang a song about how this world wants to tempt us to evil. It wants us to tempt, it wants to tempt us to focus on money. You look on the news, half of what they talk about today is inflation. <laughs> That's not something you like to see. Used cars are up, what, I think 44%. Um, meat prices are up. Uh, the economy, I actually I think there's a ton of jobs out there. I don't believe many people want to work. But they keep money, they keep... Pumping money into our economy, our money keeps losing value, and that's what the news wants us to focus on. That's what the devil wants us to focus on. We can't be like Balaam. We can't can't focus completely on money because, you know what? God will supply it. We have to choose to keep the sickness of envy. We have to choose to keep the sickness of the love of money out of our church. And thirdly, and finally, and this one's pretty important, we have to avoid the gainsaying of Korah. Hey, Blake, I'm going to ask you one more question. You know what gainsaying means? Again, I would have not known this beforehand. Gainsaying is, another word the Bible uses for it is murmuring. Ah. Korah, he decided to get a bunch of his people together in Numbers again. I believe it's Numbers 22. And he gets a bunch of his people from his family, all the leadership, and he decides to go to Moses and say, you're not a good enough leader. I can do a better job. And he decided to spread strife in the camp of Israel. Well, okay, Moses went to God. You know, that's the first person you should go to when you're in a trial, God. And... God gives him back an answer. Moses says, okay, you provide a sacrifice to God. I'll provide a sacrifice to God. We'll see who he accepts. Um, They kind of of went over that with Cain and Abel, right? Well, you know, God had already told him the children of Israel that Moses was his chosen man. I guess they just needed reaffirming. And uh, as Korah is presenting it, you know, the earth swallows up and eats Everyone that decided to join that campaign against Moses. I can't think of a more terrifying way to die. A sinkhole. I mean, that's scary stuff. But what was, what was Kor's main problem? He was a murmurer. He was a divider. He was a complainer. And we got to avoid that. And that happens in churches way too much. You know what is a problem in churches today? We don't believe complaining is a sin anymore. Hey, the weather's too cold. The weather's too hot. Gas prices are too high. I'm heaven that Blake gave me another one. You need to help me preach here. Um, I don't know. The economy's tough. This food tastes bad. My bed's not soft enough. You know, I, I, I just looked at a picture today. the day. It was pretty funny. It said if Jesus was feeding the 5,000 and it had people in the crowd saying, is there mercury in this fish? I like my fish like sushi um is there any gluten in here and you know they were complaining and i feel like if jesus was to provide a banquet the day with that there might be a few of this but the church has forgotten that complaining's a sin murmuring's a sin did you know that every time we complain teenagers listen up here because it's a problem with us i'm not a teenager anymore but i'm with you you break over 130 commandments in the bible how about here's one rejoice and again I say rejoice the second one and everything give thanks those are two right there I'm not going to quote anymore I'll look dumb and uh, we break over 130 commandments in the Bible I remember when I was at college and they in my senior year they instituted a rule that was actually already in the rule book and I know this is crazy They said that they were going to start reinforcing the bedtime. The bedtime at college was 11 o'clock, and they wanted you to go to bed at 11 o'clock. I know that's shocking. Not 1110, not 1103, but 11 o'clock. And for me, big Bible college student, senior year, I said, that makes me look like a child. How dare they give me a bedtime? And I complained, and to my shame, I haven't talked with a few other people, about how unhappy I was that they were going to give me a bedtime. Well, you know what? The more I look back on it and the more I started to soften and listen to God and remember that he put that college staff as leadership in my life for a reason, I started to think, you know what? 11 o'clock's is pretty late. Um, waking up at 6 o'clock is a lot easier when you go to bed before 11 o'clock. I know guys who would... I mean, they were paying thousands of dollars, and they would sleep through their classes. What's the point of paying money for something you're going to miss? I wouldn't pay to watch a movie that I was going to sleep through. I'm definitely not paying thousands of dollars to go to classes that I'm going to sleep through. And why? you know, that's a silly illustration, but think about churches today. Pastor said I have to do this. That's a big one. Maybe pastor has a rule for a reason. Maybe the leadership in the rule is doing something for a reason. Maybe it's not just coming from them, but it's coming from a higher power. The Bible says in Romans 3, 1 through, 1 through 2, Let every soul be subject unto a higher, unto the higher powers, For there is no power but of God, the powers that are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power, resisteth the ordinance of God, and they that resist shall receive themselves damnation. Korah decided that he was going to complain, he was going to murmur, and he was ultimately going to rebel against Moses. We have too many rebellers in our churches in America against their pastors and they have a hard enough job already. They have to go out into the world to preach the gospel that's just going to spit back in their face, and when they come home to their church, we should be giving them love. We should be listening to them. Instead, they're coming back to resistance in their own home. That makes it really hard to have harmony and unity, huh? You know, we talked about the sickness of envy. We talked about the sickness of of the love of money, but I'm telling you, this one, I mean, really jumped out at me. This will kill a church. The gainsaying of Korah. That's not spread strife in our churches. Let's not promote self. Let's choose to recognize the leadership that God gives us. Whether that come from Blake, I know it's a lot harder to listen to Blake. I'm just kidding. You know, when I was at college one time, uh, I had, they were giving out free soda, and I was poor, and I, I still am. But they were giving out soda, and I jumped on that. And Blake told me, I, I got maybe like five or six cans, huh? And Blake said, no, you only get two. And I think I worked him up to three, but I said something stupid. I said, how about four? And you know what he said to me? He said, okay, Two. So he went right back down, and uh, I lost it. But, you know, I was murmuring. I was complaining. Well, how about here's what we're supposed to do. We're, su- we're supposed to uh, respect the authority of God. Here's some ways we can do it. We can be uplifting to our pastor. Um, our pastor's sick tonight. We can send him a text message, hey, we missed you. We're praying for you. That is something that will light his, light his day up or his night. It's night, night, time. there. Um, when he walks in the door, say, we missed you. Pat him on the back. Uh, Maybe, you know, he's been preaching on door knocking. You you say, hey, pastor, I completed this map. That would, you know, light up his world. Say, pastor, that was a great message. I mean, really mean it, though. So (laughs) don't don't just be sleeping and then go tell him, hey, that was a great message. That will not. (laughs) But we need to be uplifting. Here's another one. When we. Here in church, because it's always going to pop up no matter what church you're in, when you hear strife being spread, help shut it down. The Bible says in Matthew 5, blessed are the peacemakers. Choose to be a peacemaker when those who want to spread strife are spreading it. Choose to shut it down. And here lastly for this one, let's stay humble and remember that God knows what he's doing when he puts those people in charge of us. You know what? I did not like that bedtime. But I needed to respect it. I needed to remember my place where God had put me because God knows what, he, what he's doing with me. Amen. And God knows what he's doing with this church and churches in America. We need to remember to respect our authority. You know, in conclusion, the church is dealing with a lot of sicknesses today. We talked about uh, the way of Cain about being envious about other people, it's easy to look in a church and see other people being blessed and to get envious about it. At least that's maybe something only I deal with. You got to shut it down quickly and remember how good God is to you each and every day. Hey, you drove your car the day, you didn't get in a wreck. Hey, you ate cold food the day, but you had food on the table. You know, you went to bed, at least you're not freezing. It gets cold outside. Oh, I'm sorry, is your, your, uh, your furnace not working? Hmm? Oh, I thought, I heard someone's furnace wasn't working. I don't know. I'm sorry, I don't want to curse anyone. <laughs> um, but we need to remember that there's people that are going to come into our church and they're going to want to push the boundary. They're going to want to spread lasciviousness. They're going to want to say, hey, but don't you deserve that? There's going to be people that come in and say, hey, don't you want to earn more money? Hey, everyone, I don't, I don't think being wealthy is a sin, but when you start focusing on it, then it is. There's going to be people that want to push the boundary and say, hey, don't you think pastor did something really stupid right there? Pastor never does anything stupid. Blake never does anything stupid. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> we need to respect their authority. And there's going to be people that want to come and push the boundaries, want to push us. To get into the sickness and to be sick and not be a healthy church that's continuing on with what God wants us to do. We need to choose to do things God's way, stay content. We need to choose to use the currency of faith and we need to choose to respect God's authority that he puts in our lives. Uh, let's bow our heads. Um, I'm not really good at invitations. I'll just put that out right now. But if uh, God had brought anything in your lives, uh, I'm just going to give you some time to talk with him. Um, if you saw the boundaries in your lives being moved, um, I pray that you'd uh, talk with God, help it get back to where God has it in his word. Um, you know, it's it's really easy for this to just creep into our lives, to creep into our churches. And... Uh,